Good evening, guys. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, you'll want to keep it open to uh, Matthew 13 tonight. Uh, we're going to mainly focus on the, the parable of the leaven, but also uh, look at some of the parables preceding that as well. You know, I was asked tonight to give an update on the Peniel Gospel Team, our partners in Northeast India. And for those of you, a few of you who don't know who I'm talking about, I'll give you a quick introduction to them. Uh, Peniel Gospel Team is an indigenous, Indian-led ministry, uh, church planning ministry. They're situated in northeast India, which is very near the borders of Nepal, near the border of Bangladesh, a majority Muslim country, near the border of Bhutan, which is a, a Buddhist country closed to the gospel. Uh, they're a very mature ministry. There's a lot that, that we can learn from them tonight. That's going to be part of my aim uh, in sharing with them, sharing with you guys about them, but They've been around close to 45 years, planted over 400 churches in that time, and most of them have been among unreached people groups. Now, an unreached people group, if you're not familiar with that term, let me explain that real quick, but a people group, I once asked the question, what do you guys think a people group is? And, and I'll never forget Steve's answer, very insightful. A people group is a group of people. But there's actually a little bit more to it than that, Steve. A, a, a people group, as missiologists talk about people group, are um, a people with their own distinct language and culture and, and spiritual beliefs. Um, the way I've explained it to you guys before, Steve is still cracking up over his own joke, I think it's hilarious, um, is that you know if you arrived here in pre-colonial America, you landed in what is now Wilmington, you would encounter the Cape Fear Indians. And then you'd go a little further, you, you'd encounter the, the Waccamaw Indians, and you'd notice that they you know, may look similar to you, but they have their own distinct culture, own distinct language, on to seek spiritual beliefs. And then you, you go further inland, encounter the Eno Indians, the Saponi Indians in this area, uh, encounter the Cherokee Indians. And if you were a close observer, you would notice they, they consider themselves different. They, they all have their own distinct language, culture, and beliefs. And the Bible talks a lot about reaching the nations. And when it uses that word nations, it's not... Uh, talking about nations in the way that we would understand nations, like a political nation, China, Russia, India. Um, but speaking of nations in terms of these tribes, these people groups, these peoples who, who have their, their own identity, where to them, we are us and you are them. And, and so there are like over 6,000 nations, um, if you can, when you count it that way, uh, and only about half of them have been reached. But the, the command that Jesus gave to us is go and make disciples of all nations, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus, after paying for our sins, rising from the dead, he said, I'm the risen king. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and call all nations to submit to my kingship. Go and call all of them to know the blessings of my rule. And as we, as Andrew sang for us in Psalm 2, those who refuse to submit to the king will know the king's wrath. After much patience, they will know the king's wrath. But for those who uh, take refuge in the Son, we are blessed. And so I want to discuss um, Peniel Gospel Team tonight, who, planning churches among these unreached people groups. I want to discuss it in, in context primarily of the parable of 11 here in Matthew 13. And just because I see PGT um, really taking this passage to heart and living in light of it. And I want to share with them, 
share with you guys about them, not just to say, man, God is doing some great things here. Let's continue to support it. Let's continue to throw ourselves into it, into supporting them, but also just to encourage your own hearts um, as they are a beautiful example to us living out this great commission. So Matthew uh, 13, verse 33. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. Let's pray. Jesus, your promise is that you will build your kingdom and the gates of hell shall not prevail against God, would you encourage us with that? And would you build your kingdom in us? God, not my kingdom come, but your kingdom come and your will be done here among us tonight. Teach us. Amen. So Jesus tells a bunch of parables here in Matthew 13. I'm, I'm going to, in a moment, read the two preceding parables to the parable of the leaven. Um, but first of all, let me tell you why he's telling these parables. Uh, so many of these parables in this section are bursting preconceived expectations that the Jews had about the kingdom of heaven. They, they expected that uh, God's kingdom, that the, Messiah, the kingdom that the Messiah would bring, would be a physical kingdom, that the Messiah would be this one-world ruler who would overthrow the Romans, he would get rid of the bad guys, and he would, he would uh, end injustice and make everybody act right. And he here is reframing their expectations, and he is correcting some expectations. And we need that as well, right? We, we have our own idea of what the kingdom of God is, is like, um, what it looks like for Jesus' kingdom to increase on the earth, and we need our own expectations to be corrected and reframed. So let me read to you uh, the two preceding parables as well, and then the parable 11 again. So this, again, from Matthew 13, picking up in verse 24. 13-24, it says, Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, well then do you want us to go and, and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven till it was all leavened. Jesus gives us some expectations about the kingdom of heaven. First one is, expect the kingdom to advance through all the earth until the gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed to all nations. 
Expect the kingdom to advance through all the earth until the gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed to all nations. Again, the command that that Jesus gives to us after his resurrection is go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all people groups. Call them all to submit to me. And then he gives a promise before ascending into heaven. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth, as the song says. And this is a big task, right? To evangelize the whole world. Not to say that, that all people are going to come to know the Lord, but all nations. They're gonna, uh, there's going to be disciples from all nations. It's a big task to reach every nation, 6,000 plus people groups. And you see the, the largeness of that task here in this parable. He says that she took yeast and hid it in three measures of flour. Uh, we may not know this, but I'll tell you, three measures of flour is enough to feed up to 150 people. Uh, not people groups. <laughs> That's really a lot of flour. But it's enough to feed up to, three, up to 150 people. And so we have this big task. And yet God promises that the task will be completed. I will build my kingdom, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let me give you a, a, a number of promises here. I want to hit you with these like a barrage. Uh, Matthew 24.14, Jesus says, The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus said it's going to happen. The, the gospel is going to be proclaimed to all nations. Let's, let's go even further back. Let's start at the beginning looking at some promises from God. Genesis 12.3. He's in, in calling Abraham, he says, Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then families there, the same idea of, of, of people groups, of tribes. And then another promise to Abraham, Genesis 22:18. In your offspring, talking about Jesus, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Psalm 22, verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Psalm 72, 8, in talking about the King, the Messiah, talking about Jesus here, it says, May He have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Psalm 110, another messianic psalm. The Lord says to my Lord, Talking about the Messiah. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Again, all peoples coming under subjection to this beautiful King Jesus who died for us. Habakkuk 2.14, which we just spent some time there, promises, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a beautiful image. And then Revelation 7-9, that, that, that scene that we, we have to look forward to is a revelation, the curtains of heaven are peeled back and, and we're shown a glimpse of this glorious day. It says, John writes, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches in their hands, and they were crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
Expect the kingdom to advance throughout the whole world until all nations are reached. Another expectation he gives us is to we should expect the kingdom to largely operate in unseen ways, working long before it is apparent. Expect the kingdom to operate in unseen ways. It says here that she took that yeast and she hid it in three measures of flour. And I think what Jesus wants to give us here is this, this idea that the, the yeast is there, this living thing is, is planted there, but you don't see it operating for a long time. But it's still working. It's there and it's working. Habakkuk again, verse 1-5, he says, God says, I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if told. Um, you guys know I spent um, a year in China and, and so just became familiar with China's history and, and the history of the gospel there. And it's super encouraging to, to look at and I see this principle played out in their history. You know, early in, in the 20th century, China had a pretty prominent missionary presence. People like Lottie Moon there as, as missionaries and, um, and doing some good work there. But then Mao Zedong comes to power as a communist and a very violent co- uh, cultural revolution where he purges all his enemies. Anyone who is religious, not just Christians, but all religions, purges uh, the nation of, of all of them, or so he thought. And you know, the Western missionaries, as they had to leave China, they despaired. They thought, all this work that we've been doing is just wiped out. And you're familiar with the, the Iron Curtain with the USSR. In China, they called it the Bamboo Curtain. Well, when the Bamboo Curtain was peeled back and China started to open up and, and, and missionaries were able to go there again, they were surprised at what they saw. They were surprised to see that, that the church had grown like wildfire. Uh, that, um, you know, that not only have, has a church grown uh, so large, not only uh, that, but also they, the church has been purified. These people love the word more. They're spending all this time in prayer. They are zealous to take the gospel to the nations. There's this movement called the Back to Jerusalem movement where they've seen the gospel progress throughout the West and then over around the globe to North Korea, and then growing in China is like, it's our responsibility to take the gospel to the Middle East and take it back to Jerusalem. And they were, you know, the kingdom was working in some unseen ways, uh, but then uh, it grew, it took over. And, you know, we don't always get to hear encouraging reports uh, like that. We, you know, a lot of times we only see it once it's, uh, once it's happened. And even then, you know, it's not the sort of thing that the news is reporting on, right? But God is working. We can know that it is happening uh, based on this, this parable here and, and other things in Scripture, God's promises in Scripture. Also, another expectation that, that Jesus wants to give us with the parable of the mustard seed is that we should expect small, obscure beginnings, but we should also expect growth. We should expect small, obscure beginnings, but we should also expect growth. You've heard it said a mustard seed is super tiny, like a grain of sand. And it's hardly noticeable. But then when you plant that tiny seed, Shannon, if you'll give us a picture here, you see it grows to this massive tree. And all these, um, it has a a very foul reputation, all these um, dirty birds, crows and whatever, you know, like to come and and, and, and make their their nest in it. It it attracts all sorts of... um, unseemly wildlife. The church should be the same way. Amen.
Um, but God, you know, it might seem like Christians don't have much of a presence in the earth, but God promises growth. He promises that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of Him as waters cover the sea. The same in our hearts. Jesus also likens faith to a mustard seed. And that little tiny mustard seed, it might not look like much has happened when a person places, initially places faith in Jesus. But God promises that His kingdom will grow in us and that we will be made into the likeness of Jesus. All things will work to the good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to, the, to His purpose to make us like Christ. And, and so we should have that confidence about the nations being reached and also about ourselves being reached as we submit more and more to Jesus' kingdom. It's going to grow in us. It's going to grow in the world as it grows in us. As well, with the parable of the wheat and weeds, final expectation here is he, he tells us to expect evil to flourish alongside the kingdom. Or in other words, expect the kingdom to grow up in the midst of evil. Expect the kingdom to grow up in the midst of evil. I've been really in, encouraged by this myself just as I, I watch the news or, or I read the news and, and see it seems like evil is prevailing. Like there's so much evil and, and at times I'm troubled by it's growing. And, and certainly evil is growing in our world. It's growing in our culture. But the kingdom is also growing. The kingdom is also growing. Let's let Jesus further explain this parable. If you'll look in your Bibles uh, to verse, at verse 36. Verse 36, it says, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom will grow up in the, in the midst of evil, but Jesus will return and He will sort it all out. Jesus will return. He will sort it all out. He knows our hearts. On the surface, we might initially look the same. The, the wheats and, and the tares might look the same, but time and pressure reveal what's really on the inside and Jesus knows our hearts and He, um, he will uh, you know, judge us in the last day. And as it says in in Revelation, at the last judgment, Jesus will return. He will throw the devil and death down into the lake of fire where they will perish eternally. Then He will open up uh, the book of life and those whose names are written in it, those who have repented, those who have confessed that Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, um, who have given up, trying to rule their own lives, surrendered my kingdom, Jesus, You come be my King, that we will, um, after those who, who are unrepentant are judged, thrown into, into the lake of fire with the devil. We 
will dwell with God in the new heavens and the new earth as the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven bright and shining like the sun. And there we will behold the Father face to face as He kneels down to wipe every tear from our eyes. It's what Jesus tells us to expect. But He says that while the kingdom is growing, evil will grow along with that. And, and, I, and in sharing these parables with us, I want, to, I want to cultivate some optimism. I want us to be encouraged. I want us to, to see that the kingdom is growing, but also, particularly with sharing this parable, is to cultivate some realism. We should expect suffering. You know, Jesus said that uh, if the master of the house was, was, was hated without cause, then his servants are going to be hated likewise. If they persecuted me, then they will likewise persecute you. But Jesus says in John 16.33, He says, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And So we should expect the Gospel to advance. We should expect it to work in largely unseen ways, but still expect growth. And we should expect that that growth is going to flourish along with evil, but Jesus is going to sort it out in the end. So as we expect the gospel to advance, how do we live in light of that? As, as God promises that he's going to do this, what is our response to be? Well, there's no better phrase to give you than, than that from, from missionary William Carey, a missionary to India no less. He said, expect great things from God. Expect God to do great things in accomplishing his mission. Expect that worldwide evangelization will happen. All nations will be reached. Expect great things from God. And therein, therefore, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. God's infinite, limitless power has guaranteed success. We will succeed in this task of evangelizing the whole world because God has ordained that we succeed. Great things are both promised by God and great things are required by God if the whole world is going to be reached. If all nations are going to be reached, there's going to need to be some miracles, there's going to need to be some generous giving, there's going to need to be uh, the greatness of, of us humbling ourselves and giving our lives for the cause and so God is going to have to do some great things. And so we should uh, attempt to do great things for God, expecting Him to come alongside, come alongside us and bless us. I see, that, I see that in the Peniel Gospel team. I see them living this out. That they expect God to do some great things, and so they, uh, they step out and they attempt to do great things for His glory. Let me share with you some things that you may already know, you may already have heard about. Uh, from us, and some things, some more recent updates about Peniel Gospel Team. Um, coronavirus, worldwide pandemic, right? It's affecting India as well. They shut down pretty early before the virus um, got there, and basically, it's a large country, but they shut the whole whole thing down, and uh, to, to a much greater extent than we have here, even. Well, this, um, you know, being that there's a lot of people in India who depend on, on, you know, they get paid that day for the work that they do, and they if they don't work, they don't eat. 
they depend on daily wages. And so, so many people there depending on, on daily wages, them not being able to work has just left them destitute. And I don't, I don't know the heart behind all of that, but um, I know that the, the leader, uh, the, the regime that is, that is um, ruling India right now is a very pro-Hindu uh, government, and Hinduism teaches that if you, were, um, if you lived a bad life, if you were a bad person in, in your previous life, then you're going to be born into a lower caste or a lower class. And there's almost a, a sort of permission to, to treat these bad people like dirt because they deserve it. And so I don't know if that's what's behind all of that, but I do know that God is defender of the weak, that He is father to the fatherless, that He is defender of the widow, uh, provider to the alien and to the sojourner, and so God, praise the Lord, has been taking care of these four people uh, through His people, through the Peniel Gospel Team, through us. Uh, Peniel Gospel Team put out an appeal um, and over $18,000 came in within a couple weeks to provide uh, close to 2,500 food kits. They had like um, you know, rice and potatoes, soybeans that they gave away in these food kits. Close to 2,500 people were blessed by the hands of Jesus. And that was over 21 villages that were reached through this ministry. Praise the Lord for that. You know, they, Peniel Gospel Team, they had, they had shared the gospel with 80,000 households last year. They have a, basically a door-to-door, village-to-village ministry. And they wanted to share with 150,000 this year. They, and they already had the, the, the pamphlets provided for that. But... That got blocked, and so they they that great thing that they were attempting got blocked, and so they attempt this other great thing, and they're able to reach people through through this way, and people are coming to them, seeking uh, seeking help and assistance, and they're able to be the hands of Jesus and to speak the hope of Jesus to these people. Um, as well, they um, Peniel Gospel Team. Uh, another way, another thing that God's been doing through them is you know they have these. They have two private K-12 schools. They're quality Christian schools that basically act to, uh, to fund most of their ministry. The Neil Gospel team, I think, wisely does not want to be dependent on foreign outside support because that Hindu government could cut that off at any time and say that you're not allowed to send that anymore, you're not allowed to receive that. And so they have these two schools that they've started, and, and Hindus and Muslims pay to send their kids to this quality Christian school because of its quality. And so the income that they get from those schools, they use it to support their workers. And they have you know, close to 250 uh, workers in their ministry. But they needed, they built this school. It's a big mass. One of the new schools is, is rather new. Um, haven't been able to get enrollment up in it in, in part because uh, they needed some more buses. They needed transportation to get some kids to the school. And so they uh, want, they asked us at the beginning of this year if we would help to raise two buses costing $23,000 each. So again, attempting great things. It's a pretty pretty massive deal, especially you know $23,000 in Indian rupees is, is a lot. But they said they had one donor there who was already willing to provide $11,500. That's half. If um, we here could help to... With people who, who love PGT here in Roxborough, particularly with the organization called AIM, if we could help to provide the rest. And so 
Uh, some generous people helped to provide the rest. And so there's a bus which is able to enroll 40 more students. All right, well, then they're seeking to get another bus, you know, attempting great things, you know. Uh, and this other guy apparently is willing to help fund half again. And I was in a prayer meeting about a month ago. We were praying that God would provide this other half. And there was only six of us in, in the prayer meeting. Again, don't despise small beginnings. But only six of us there, and at the end of the prayer meeting, this one guy who hadn't prayed the whole hadn't prayed out loud the whole meeting says, As we've been praying that God would provide for this bus, I feel like we should we should step up and do something about it. And he said, God has enabled me where I can provide half of what's left if you guys can can foot the bill for the rest or raise money for the rest. And so that happened in a in a about another week and a half from there, and so two buses provided so that's close to 100 new students, and they've actually been able to enroll 100 more on top of that. Um, so praise God for that, that provision. Latest update that you, that you might not know. You know, with, with the coronavirus being there, um, he says the virus is spreading, but thankfully the death rate is low. Praise the Lord. Uh, but they, you know, the government's still locking them down. They're not able to go anywhere. They're not able to have church gatherings, worship gatherings, at least closer to the city, they can in some of the more rural areas, but but they haven't been able to have these church gatherings. So what do they do instead? How do they respond? They've set up a 24-7 prayer chain. Mom and Joseph, the leader of this ministry, he emailed me and said, hey, how can we be praying for you guys? I want to include you guys in this 24-7 prayer chain. And I and I just think of, of the song that, that Tim quotes from, from Alabama a lot, that you, you can't keep a good man down. You know, they... they they go about seeking to do these great things, reach 150,000 households with the gospel. They get blocked from that, and so they attempt other great things. They, and you know, provide, you know, seeking this, uh, these funds to provide for these people, you know, praying around the clock. And then listen to this story here. Mama Joseph, uh, he said he was sitting down to, to write a heartfelt thanks to us for our prayers and our support. And he said God had, um, you know, we had this plan where we wanted to support our 200 or so workers in our ministry. And, and wanted to, to let you know about that, ask you for help with that. And then this incident took place that he wanted to share with me. And he said, one of, the, one of the leaders of our ministry calls me and lets me know about this, this missionary family who's not with Peniel Gospel Team, but they're with Jesus. They're committed to the gospel, committed to pushing the gospel forward. And, and this this missionary family, they're involved in this side business that they use to support two to three employees. And as well, they've, they've used those funds to plant a few uh, village churches. And they spend all their profit on pushing the ministry forward. But with the lockdown happening, they weren't able to conduct their business, and so they hadn't had any money saved because they were all giving it away. And now they can't even feed their own family. And he said, uh, the kids started crying for bread, started crying for um, for little biscuits, he says. And so he, that, that missionary, um, he went to his bank, tried to um, withdraw whatever his balance was. Come to find out his balance was 400 rupees, which is about $5 and some change. He has to keep a minimum balance of 500 rupees, about $6.50. So he comes back home with empty hands. He and his wife are, are crying inconsolably, unable to comfort each other. And he says, we, God, we spent all our money for ministry and now our children are without food. 
Well, Mom and Joseph had heard about it. He, he, he sent some people to investigate, to check it out, uh, to learn the facts and learn it's true. So he, from, from Peniel Gospel Team, forwards 10,000 rupees, about 133 bucks for that needy family. And he tells, I love what he tells the guy. He says, God has not forgotten you. He only has different ways to help his people. God has not forgotten you. Rather, he has different ways to help his people. And Maman didn't know this guy before, um, but now he's, he's seeking to minister to him, seeking to partner with him in the gospel. Uh, he tells the story of, of another person like him, another village pastor who was pastoring two congregations in this mountain village among the, the Dukkha tribal people group. And, and those people, they, they uh, have cattle and they sell milk and cheese, but they've got to walk four hours down the mountain to get to the market to sell it. The market's been closed got coroned, um, and so they're unable to sell it. And so learning about this pastor, he is, is able to help him with some financial provision and, and a food kit to his, to his family and food kits to his village as well. And so Maman says, I was going to write to you asking for help with um, support, giving a special gift to... Uh, to our people, to our 200 or so missionaries. But, but now we've, we've learned of 310 missionaries who aren't with Peniel Gospel Team, but whom we want to come alongside and we want to help provide for them. And when the lockdown is over, we want to ask them to partner with us in our outreach work. And he said, I'm not requiring that they partner with us, but, but I'm going I'm to ask them, and if they can partner with us, if 310 more can partner with us and join with our ministry, then we can reach 10,000 more houses with the good news. He's always thinking about the gospel, always wanting to push it forward. And, and he said in order to provide uh, these 310 food kits for, for 500 missionaries, uh, we need about $22,000. So we currently have $8,510 in our hands. And, and for me... Reading this email, I, you know, I just stepped back from, from the board with AIM, just needed to uh, take a break with, from that and focus on some other things. And, and having seen the money come in for the buses, seen the money come in to provide for uh, the pandemic, I'm thinking, man, I, that's a lot. Like, I'm tired. I want to take a break. I don't want to be uh, a part of this. And I, and I realize the selfishness of that, and I realize just the... Um, you know, I want to work hard, and then I want to put my feet up. But these guys are pushing forward. We want to work hard to reach people for the gospel, and then we want to work hard to reach more people for the gospel. And he said, you know, they're needing, um, I can't do math on the fly, but, you know, about $14,000. He says, we believe that God will provide for us in the right time. We believe. We're pushing forward. We believe that God will provide for us in the right time. That kind of faith challenges me. It challenges my laziness. It challenges my self-serving. It challenges my, my unbelief at what God can do. But as William Carey said, expect God to do great things and, and attempt to do great things. And I see Peniel Gospel Team doing that. And it encourages me. Some closing exhortations for us from, from these parables. To come back to the parables. As we see with PGT as well, 
parable of leaven implies work. God has said it would happen, but we're called to work and, and to expect it to happen. The parable of leaven implies work. You know, how did that, that living yeast, how does it make the bread rise? Well, you mix together some sugar and some water. The yeast eats some sugar. It burps it up, makes bubbles, CO2. And, and, uh, but it says she hid it in those three measures of flour. How do you hide it in the flour? Well, you pour the flour in, you stir it around, and then you work it. You work that dough. You knead it. You pound it. You flip it. You work it some more. And we are to work the kingdom of God into our culture. We're to speak it. We're to live it out. We're to work it into our own lives, saying, Jesus, your kingdom come. You come and rule my relationships. Rule my thought life. Rule my emotions. My understanding of my emotions. Rule my family. Order the way that I think about my child's education. Politics. How I watch the news. Everything. Your kingdom come. Your reign increase on me. Work it into your life. Work it into the culture. The parable of leaven also implies waiting. After you work that bread, you let it sit under a warm covering, let it sit in the oven, and you wait expectantly for it to rise. We are to go out and to work, and then we're to wait and to pray, your kingdom come. Expectantly wait on God to work. And the parable of leaven implies winning. Hashtag winning, right? Um, I just had to stick with the alliteration, but it implies success. These whole Big three measures of flour will be leavened. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. The, the gospel will advance to all nations. And then the end will come. And what I want to cultivate in, in us, I want to cultivate in us an optimism. An optimism about the right things. Not a blind optimism, not an ungrounded optimism, not an optimism that you're going to be able to work hard and then live out a comfortable American dream. But I, I want to, us to be optimistic about the kingdom growing, about the gospel permeating the whole world and all nations being reached, about ourselves growing to become like Christ. I want us to be optimistic about those things. And as Jesus says, we will be persecuted, you will be hated by many for my name's sake, you will have great tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is a king. Jesus is victorious. Jesus has paid it all. Jesus is risen. Jesus is going to win. Jesus is going to win. And we are going to win with Him. There may be many losses along the way. So we're called to die to ourselves. To live for others. And Psalm 34, 14 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. And we say, Come, Lord Jesus, hasten that day. Let's pray. Indeed, Jesus, come. Jesus, would you bring your kingdom on the earth? Would you bring your kingdom in me? God, we confess that we are sinners who think first about ourselves and we want to advance our own kingdom, our own agenda. But Jesus, You have promised that Your kingdom will increase in us. Praise You and thank You. You've promised that Your kingdom will increase on the earth. And with that expectation, may we um, partner with those who are 
seeking to do great things, and we, we ourselves seek to do great things for your glory and for the good of our neighbor. God's people said, Amen.